The Israel Report with Rolene Marks. It's just gone 18 minutes past 5 o'clock. If you've just joined us, welcome to the 101.9 High FM Afternoon Overdrive. Time now to find out what is happening in the Holy Land. Joining us now is Rolene Marks, our correspondent from Israel. Rolene, great to chat to you. Welcome. Happy to be back. I almost said welcome <laughs> to you, but I'm on your Well, I, got, I was back on Thursday, wasn't I? But of course, welcome back after the weekend. And certainly plenty has transpired since the last time we spoke, Rolene. Let's start with uh, Itamar Ben-Gavir, uh, as we say, always in the spotlight, now embarking on new demands, security and diplomatic issues, and also presenting himself as a new diplomatic headache. What is he up to now? Well, let's discuss the diplomatic headache because Mm. that is a big story today. So tomorrow, the uh, European Union representatives were due to host the annual Europe Day. Uh, This is an event that they host every year in Tel Aviv. Now, each year, a different member or cabinet minister has a chance to represent the government uh, at these uh, events. And mm-hmm. this year, it seems that Itamar Ben-Gavir, the National Security Minister, drew the straw. And uh, Itamar Ben-Gavir, as we all know, um, is uh, more in the extreme camp. Mm-hmm. He does have opinions that rankle many around the world, including the EU. And, and they expressed their concerns, and they actually asked, that he not attend uh, Europe Day. They actually uh, put in a request for another minister to attend in his stead, but he insisted on attending. So uh, long story short, over the last, I'd say, um, 24 hours or so, there have been negotiations that, uh, you know, maybe he wouldn't speak, maybe they would cancel speeches. Um, They expressed their huge concern saying, well, you know, maybe our diplomatic representatives just won't attend the event. We don't want to give this man a platform. And unfortunately, in the last couple of hours, they have made the announcement to to cancel the event. So I'll read you a, a bit of their statement. They said, The EU delegation to Israel is looking forward to celebrating Europe Day on May the 9th, as it does every year. Mm -hmm. Regrettably, this year we have decided to cancel the diplomatic reception, as we do not want to offer a platform to someone whose views contradict the values the European Union stands for. Now, they do have a a cultural event that's open to the public, and that will go ahead. Mm -hmm. And Ben Gavir, of course... Uh, not taking the note that maybe this is not the time for him to be speaking and, and further, uh, you know, inflaming tensions, uh, had to, uh, had to give a statement. Um, immediately after their statement, he released one of his own. He says, it is a shame that the European Union, which claims to represent the values of democracy and multiculturalism, is undiplomatically shutting mouths, he says. It is an honor and a privilege for me to represent the Israeli government the heroic idea of officers and the people of Israel in every forum. Friends know how to voice criticism and true friends know how to take it. Now I just want to uh, make a note that there are 
uh, political parties in countries in the European Union that Israel does not have any dealings with. One of them is the uh, right-wing National Party in Germany. Israel does not have uh, any discussions, any dealings with them. They incidentally were uh, had representatives visit Israel last week, some of them who visited Yad Vashem. Israel's National Holocaust Memorial and Museum. And Yad Vashem released a statement that said, you know, we're open to everybody, including those with uh, extreme views. But, you know, um, Israel does not speak to far-right elements Mm -hmm. in a a variety of governments. And, of course, we now have uh, Betelel Smotrich. He is uh, the coalition or the the party partner with... um, Itamar, 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 in Otsma Yehudi, and he says the way to bring about change is not by threatening to topple the government and boycotting government and coalition votes in the Knesset. And uh, he says the biggest price for terrorism is the overthrow of the right wing government and the left's rise to power. Now, in a poll conducted by the um, security establishment, it was found that there have been more terrorist attacks uh, and events this year since January than there have been in the whole of last year. So I don't know what he's uh, basing that knowledge on. But we still have the last thing, Bruhaha with Likud and Itamar Ben-Gavir. He is demanding that he be included in security briefings. In fact, he says, Mm. uh, unless... um, you want me to quit, you must unfreeze the overhaul freeze. Now, uh, this is a huge issue in Israel at the moment. It it has caused tremendous divisions in society. And last week, uh, on Thursday, we said that he threatened to quit the government unless he was included in the briefings, and that resulted in the could. Uh, releasing a statement saying that these briefings and the decisions with regards to how Israel responds to uh, rocket attacks, because uh, Ben Gavir had called to the government's response feeble, uh, the um, Likud party said it's the prime minister, the defense minister, the security officials, and the RDF who are responsible for making those decisions. And if you don't like it, mm. you can leave. Well, let's see what, never a dull moment, is it, with these characters, uh, Raleen, as we found out over the past couple of months. Let's see how things transpire until tomorrow. Let's put Etamar Ben-Gavir aside for now and look at the World Food Program to suspend aid to Palestinians. Why is that? Well, this is very, very sad because uh, at least 200,000 Palestinians depend on vouchers and food handed by, handed over by the World Food Program, which is an agency mm-hmm. under the auspices of the United Nations. And for two reasons. One of them is severe funding shortages. And, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, the World Food Program cannot stretch its limited resources so far. And the other is that... Um, Hamas and the way that Hamas govern the Gaza Strip poses significant 
uh, threat to them being able to carry out their aid work effectively. Oh boy. Uh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. at the moment there is a humanitarian crisis in the Gaza Strip uh, because of the threat of terrorism. Both Egypt and Israel have a, a, mar- a maritime blockade. This is a legal maritime blockade. It is within international law. Uh, unfortunately, uh, those who really suffer are ordinary Palestinians who depend on that food aid. Oh, well, wow. let's see. That's uh, not such good news. Shame, man. But anyway, let's see how that, how that uh, works out uh, between now and next time we chat, uh, Ronin. Let's just hope now that uh, situation will uh, alleviate itself. Uh, moving on to, shall we put it uh, this way, uh, a feel-good story, which we'd like to try and end off our conversation with President Herzog at the coronation. We now have uh, King Charles. All the inside details. Over to you. Well, wasn't it an absolutely magnificent event if you managed to watch? And, uh, you know, if anyone from the royal family wants to gift me a horse, <laughs> feel free. Right. But uh, President Hertog and his wife, was Lady Michal, represented the state of Israel. They arrived on Thursday and attended a reception at Buckingham Palace. Right. So jealous on <laughs> Friday night. But uh, we have some insight from Yediot Ahranot, that is the, one of the Hebrew dailies here, that apparently um, the king had uh, spotted President Herzog uh, amongst the line of dig- dignitaries and personally requested that he be moved to the front of the line uh, so that he could speak to him. Right. And he apparently lauded Israel, saying Israel is a vibrant democracy and praised the president for his role in uh, negotiations with the judicial overhauls, which is uh, a very interesting comment uh, from the king because he's treading that line but uh, as a king not getting too political but but kind of um, uh, giving praise to somebody who's trying to find the best solution for everybody and the president uh, uh, had a, a whale of a time he apparently shook hands with the leaders of Oman and Qatar uh, who okay. don't recognize Israel well he <laughs> to Exactly. Well, well, well. William. Right. I am uh-huh. so jealous. Uh-huh. He also chatted to uh, King Abdullah of Jordan, uh, the Bahraini Crown Prince, the President of the UAE, who's also a member of the Emirati royal family, uh, Princess from Morocco. So very, very significantly uh, making sure that he used that time not just to engage the uh, the king, but also to schmooze, for want of a better word, our Abrahamic uh, brothers and sister, right. the princess from the, the monarchy of Morocco. But very, very interesting, the interaction with Oman and Qatar. You know, it's amazing, Rolene. Uh, one can have differences. One can speak from afar. One can voice, you know, one's political views, etc. But when we come face to face, it's always that human face, isn't it? It's always uh, that human Humanity that counts and uh, a true representation of, you know, how people feel towards each other. And let's just hope they can join the Abrahamic Accords, which, as you've mentioned before, that we are passionate about. Time will tell. Rolene, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon.